ladies and gentlemen hey what's good uh, welcome to eye to eye and on this episode uh, we will discuss how a mother's tragedy and resilience births a son's inspiration we're also going to talk about a pastor who continues to write proverbial checks his denomination can no longer cash and we're going to go there uh, also celebrating innovation designed to end poverty which uh, by the way, is a biblical mandate. Don't know if you knew that. And also, hmm. Yep. What do you do when someone, it seems, will never find Christ actually does? Celebrity edition. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think you know uh, where we're going on that one. And if you do, trust, it's kind of ironically related to an earlier segment in the episode and it's not nearly as radical as you think so Devin and I are excited and I don't want to wait any longer it's time to engage folks it's time to get in on this conversation let's get to it And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What's good? How y'all doing? My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And this is I to I. Glad to have you guys again on another evening where we are inspired to inspire and also willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. And I think tonight we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I feel like we should just get down to business. Um, y'all just pray for me, though. Uh, what I've learned about this uh, keto uh, huh. diet that I've begun is that apparently it's a diuretic and I cannot count on 10 fingers and toes uh, how many times I've used the restroom in about the past two days. So y'all, yeah, yeah. Pray for the kid. Uh, Did you get all that to, cookie dough yet? Uh, yo, actually, Michonne just called me. It's in. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, you so you're just going to gift me yours? Yeah. Because I, can I tell you how mad I was yeah, when I realized that? Terrible was like, Yeah, it's here. And I was like, yo, snicker Mm-hmm. Snicker don't Damn. for you. Bruh. Not happy about that. But yeah, sure. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Um, I'll see how bad Jamie wants it. Oh. And then if Jamie wants it, then Jamie can have it. I'm pretty sure she has <clears throat> a bumper sticker on the van that says, say no to keto. So she I'm will be sure. eating that cookie dough. Yeah, this is a, like it's the attack of the enemy for real. Because mm-hmm. I, I kid you not, I was leaving church tonight. And when I ran up to the lobby, I looked over and there were boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, the, the spirit has led me into the wilderness to be tempted. Yeah. By the well, devil. and in the wilderness, it wasn't like meat that the children received. It was manna, right? Yeah. Was it, you know, that, that's know. not keto friendly, is it? I don't uh, really know. Because I don't do... You're probably right. It's it's fad a, diets. It's a honey wafer like substance. Well, so honey's no good. Exactly. So <laughs> that, that that finishes that up right there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, just pray for the kid and that we can stay in ketosis and that I can stay as close to a bathroom as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's enough. Let's get down to business. Yeah. So um, uh, we got a couple of things we want to discuss tonight, and by a couple, I mean more like four or five. 
but we'll just go ahead and get right down to it. The first one, um, love doing inspirational stories. Hopefully you'll get a lot of those here on this podcast. Uh, that is the whole purpose of Inspire to Inspire uh, because that is what the inspired one does. And also, um, I know the impact of other people's stories and, and what it's had on my life. And I'm pretty sure that uh, subsequently it could be the same thing for Devin. Um, but I did just want to rip one from the headlines real quick. Um, ESPN did a story uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was a cover story uh, about DeAndre Hopkins, uh, wide out for the Houston Texans. Um, I do not like what he does to my Atlanta Falcons whenever they play, but he as an individual is, is a real stand-up dude. And they did a special on him and his mom. Uh, and, yo, this story is absolutely I mean, amazing in, in, in all rights. Like, for mm-hmm. real, it's just uh, the understanding of the upbringing. Mom was a mom of four kids. Uh, the, 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 the father was killed when DeAndre was really, really young. Uh, wasn't always the best situation. Apparently, the father was a bit of like a drug kingpin, uh, things of that nature. And then as they grew up, um, things were going okay. Mom was holding down two jobs, uh, working at a factory during the day and working at um, – uh, a gentleman's leisure establishment in the evening. That's, that's what we'll call it. But, you know, she was doing what she needed to do because she loved the kids. I'm pretty sure if she didn't have to, she wouldn't. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I ain't judging her. Uh, and then uh, one day in, in a crazy fit of rage, some girl that was messing with her at the time boyfriend, um, who was most likely also abusing her, uh, threw some crazy concoction on her face. And when all was said and done, including a stint in the hospital, uh, being induced and, and put in a coma, um, and just a bunch of other stuff. She she winds up becoming blind. Yeah, uh, that was just that was wild enough for me. Uh, but her level of resilience, and that's one of my favorite words, uh, is the thing that kind of really caught my eye in the story. Um, even to the point that you know it, it said that she has a bunch of scar tissue, or she had a bunch of scar tissue on her face, and uh, right next to the scar tissue on her neck, she has a tattoo in cursive. Uh, Maya Angelou's words: "Still I rise." I'm just like, dang, this woman is a G, bro. Like <laughs> yeah. an absolute G. And just the fact that um, I don't know, I, I know I, I just uh I was in not shock, but I just had to kind of think about what they were talking about after the fact. When she was blind, um, she couldn't work at the factory anymore. And just to be absolutely petty, I'm pretty sure I don't want to be blind going down nobody's pole either. Uh so she had to find other ways to take care of the kids and it speaks to her character, the fact that uh, people would let her babysit their children when she doesn't have sight anymore. And that was one of the things that kind of like almost caught me off guard in well, reading the. Yes and no. I mean, I have two kids and I don't care if they're blind or deaf or whatever. If someone offers to watch my kids, <laughs> I'm going to let them. Yo, you're what? So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. I, yeah, I mean, if it means I get to go out to a dinner and a movie. Uh, you know, with my bride. I don't know how to take. I, I'm not a daddy yet, so I guess I'm. I know I'm not there, and maybe I'm like, yeah, they, they got like one arm. You know, you're trying to tell me like I, yeah, they could have no arms. That's fine. Okay, this is getting awkward. Listen, no, I, I I'm not going to have any sort of prejudice against this disabled person's ability to watch my kids. Okay. Okay. I'm strong support of the ADA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, still not wrapping my head around that one, but we're going to keep it moving. Uh, and then the other thing was, it was I mean, you know, the, the neighborhood that they lived in in South Carolina, which is like maybe I think they said 10 minutes away from Clemson University. Yep. 
uh, is apparently not one of the prettiest or the best ones to live in. And uh, so the second hustle that she took on um, after after becoming blind was actually selling drugs. And to be honest with you, even getting um, the oldest uh, child of hers, uh, the oldest daughter uh, involved as well. Uh, and I mean, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm not one to condone that, obviously, but just to think about her will to, to survive um, and then to see how that in turn inspired uh, her son to say, you know what, I got to get y'all out of the situation and these really, really extra large hands and decent amount of speed <laughs> uh, that I have, I'm going to use that to make sure that that happens. And then of course he does it. Yeah. Um, you know, like how could you not be inspired by something like that? That's, that's pretty much what, what my thought process was. Um, and I know that you had something you wanted to say about that, but keep it inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, Love DeAndre Hopkins. He has been on my fantasy team for the last three seasons. I've mm. kept him twice. I just traded back for him okay. uh, this week. And I love these fascinating stories of people's kind of origins and where they come from because we only see them for who they are. Right. And he's this incredible star. I mean, last year he had zero drops, but he also had the most targets in the right. league. So yep. just wrap your head around that, mm-hmm. how good this guy is. And to think that this is his background. Now, you know, we might not think that his his background was one thing or the other. We might not even give that much thought to it. Yeah. But when we see a story like this come out and learn about somebody and the adversity that they've gone through, you can't help but be inspired. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's just, uh, I don't know. You, yeah, I think about all the different situations that, that force people into whatever they end up doing, really. It's not just about sports, but obviously sports. You know, there's a bit more of a polarized effect on just about anybody's celebrity status. You know, I loved hearing about Jim Carrey's way back in the day. I mean, it's crazy now, but his joints dope. Um, the one what last year, Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. uh, and how the dude's a beast in the NBA now. Yeah. Like just and all because every game that he's playing, he's playing to honor his father who who passed away in a car accident. Yeah, like that. I mean, if if that's the case, yo, he's only gonna get better. And right now, like I, I even think he's going to make all-star status this year. He'll mm-hmm. definitely play on an all-star team. Well, I think it's uh, Pastor Sharon who says everybody has a story, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just don't listen to people's stories or care to think about it because people like to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's there's countless stories like that, even thinking about you know fellow believer Chris Pratt, right? Like that, that guy was living in a van on the beach and... You know, now he's one of the biggest uh, film stars, action stars, movie stars, whatever you want to call it, that there is. Yeah. And you just never know where these people actually come from. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I personally still don't like Chris Pratt because of Infinity Wars. Um, mm. Wanted to punch him in the face countless times because he just couldn't wait uh, to, to, to punch Doc Gone, whatever his name is. See, but face. this is where... I'm just going to have to teach you a little bit about what happened there. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Dr. Strange said there was only one possibility of what, 16 million? Mm -hmm. So everything that happened led up to the one possibility of them beating Thanos, meaning if he did not behave that way, it would not have happened. So cut the guy some slack. I guess you got a point. Hey, you know, that's that's almost. uh, And let me know how you would have handled things if the same thing had happened to your girl. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a hypocrite when it comes down to it. Of course, and, and it's biblical, really, when you think about <laughs> it. I mean, heck, you know, everything that happened. I'm sure, like Peter cutting off somebody's ear was supposed to be part of the process. We've been talking a lot about forgiveness on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> it's very, very true. I know? think it's time to forgive Star-Lord. <sighs> All right, fine. I mean, they <laughs> did win in the end. So they I guess did. I'll, I'll let it go. That's yeah. cool. But, yeah, I mean, just kudos. I know D-Hop ain't listening to this doggone podcast yet. And in Jesus' name, he will one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, for real, man, I mean, thank you for having that kind of heart. And thank you for really um, developing your story and uh, in, in, in the understanding that you had to. Uh, and not for the wrong reasons. And one, one for cash, one for, for anything else. I mean, yeah, the money's nice. I'm pretty sure uh, if you could bless me with a couple of dollars, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just because you loved your mom, because you loved your family, uh, you made sure that you were your absolute best uh, and, and fought to make things happen. So uh, to you, sir, we give a huge salute. Uh, and I guess we can move on to other things that are not as inspirational or so not for the right reason uh, <laughs> well we figured that the first segment this week we'd take things easy on people because we've been a little heavy-handed the last two weeks I mean, um i was excited to see oh look maybe we don't have uh officer involved shooting to talk about this week and then sure enough this morning on the news was footage from fresno oh, and uh Dude. but i will say we're not going to talk about that no nah, you know the funny thing was i was like i really felt like this week was just about to be like the most boring week ever. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, we're really going to have to pull out some stuff here and get kind of creative. Yeah, we were pulling then, like studies and research articles and, you know, you know inspirational articles. The, the news mean, didn't help us that much this week. Until 48 hours ago. Yeah. And it hasn't stopped since. You know, the other thing we, we didn't talk about uh, was uh, the dude that's part of the Human Rights Coalition mm-hmm. uh, coming out of his mouth and, 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 and the best way to say it is gay bashing, I guess, but, you know, really calling... Um, people in abomination and just, I don't well, know. What we, better way to prove that you're pro-human rights than by attacking someone's human rights? Yeah, yeah. You know, biblically or not. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the whole, <laughs> that, you know. Okay, yeah. So I, I haven't done my homework on that, but just the fact that I saw it last night, I was like, excuse me, excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, anyway, let's keep it moving. And... Uh, I don't know if uh, you as a believer, if you're not a believer, just buckle up because this is going to get dumb. Uh, As a believer, (laughs) it's dumb enough already. Uh, But if you had the opportunity uh, to see on Twitter, on YouTube, on whatever beautiful platform, uh, the events that transpired at a Southern Baptist conference Mm. uh, in California this, this past weekend, uh, with a man by the name of John MacArthur, and uh, just enough scope for him. He has been in the ministry 50 years. Uh, he has written commentaries. He's written books. A lot of people have actually looked to him uh, for their spiritual, theological, Christian yep. advice. He's, uh, he's probably the most famous theologian living today, I would think. Uh, in my world, N.T. Wright would be the most. Okay. Yeah, but... Uh, Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, he. Huh. So they apparently, and that there's more backstory to this than that I could even. Oh God. Um, yeah, he. Uh, they they did this conference, and apparently, I guess they do it every year, and they were celebrating his 50 years in, in ministry. And what they did was uh, they started by uh, this interview, this session, by doing a word association, mm-hmm. and they said, you know. Give us one or two words to describe uh, what you think. The first thing that comes to your mind uh, when we say the following one or two words. Um, and 
here's the funny story. This is what a lot of folks don't know. Uh, I was going to wait on this one, but you know what? Let's just do it. Uh, he did this a couple of years ago as well. And they said, Oh, man. I was going to get into that one. <laughs> See, you sparked my memory. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they said, I think we should tell him what he said this time. Okay. Fine. And then we can show how, you know, the old cliche, God will oh, take something like this and bro, use it for good. No, I'm going to, you know. I'm going to objectively smash this dude, but it's okay. Okay. Fine. We'll wait. <laughs> <sighs> Water is good. Glory to God. Uh, But yeah, so this time uh, they said uh, the name Beth Moore. And if you don't know who Beth Moore is, uh, you're probably not a believer. Um, And if you are, then you would understand that for a a very, very long time, she's been addressing, encouraging, preaching, uh, you know, just anything you can. Uh, She's written tons of curriculum, Bible studies, uh, that have inspired a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has spoken at countless events. She, I mean, you know, whatever. The only thing I will say is um, I had a chance to check out her Twitter account after this weekend. She tweets way too much. And she's also <laughs> an Astros fan. So sorry, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no. So The things you choose to hold against people, it's very bizarre. I mean, it's because all of my Atlanta team suck. We don't need to talk about that right now. Uh, but yeah, so they said her name. And then after uh, what I guess they would probably consider witty banter in, in, in their tribe, uh, just to use the whack uh, description, uh, he said two words. Mm-hmm. He said, go home. And at first, everybody's laughing. Some people are clapping. Um, there are women in the audience who yeah. were laughing and clapping as well. That was strange enough for me. And then he goes on this. Uh, him and another individual were talking about this. Uh, the other individual calls her narcissistic. Um, I guess that's better. I guess the only thing that could have been worse was maybe like make dinner, I guess. But you're pretty, I think go home has levels of connotation that he's probably throwing out there. That's beyond yeah. just yeah. don't talk. You know, what's so funny as, <laughs> as I was, as I was reading one of the things I thought about just to stay in your movie realm. Yeah. Uh, you remember the film Pleasantville? Uh, I sure do. In fact, uh, a gentleman who uh, played piano in the church I grew up in was the basketball coach in that. So, yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yes. I'm very That's familiar crazy. with Toby Maguire pre-Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, we don't need to. Whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, you know, and it was funny because I'm, I'm just remembering, like, the husband in that movie coming home. And I feel like John MacArthur is that cat right now, like, coming home and just being like, where's my dinner? Yeah, no, he's definitely, uh, is it uh, the, the Cleaver family? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just I love how they were the original Golden State Warriors, though nobody missed the three mm-hmm. uh, until you know the color came, and then everybody missed. That's that that's racist. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> were they able to dunk them though, at least? No, they weren't. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, that would have been better. Okay, let, let, let's get back on topic here. Okay, so yeah, it says go home. Yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, like I said, the other one called called her narcissistic. Um, yes. And completely misinterpreted uh, one of the things that she says all the time. She says how she places herself in the the, the Bible narrative. Um, and, and the way that, I guess, he was interpreting, he was basically saying that she 
pretty much compares herself to or like God. Okay. You know, in, in our realm, we clearly understand what she's talking about. We do that so that we right. understand exactly what God is saying about us, the plans and the purposes that that he has for our lives. And, and the, you know, I guess they don't understand that in their doctrine, their denomination. Well, there's nothing narcissistic about a bunch of white Baptists getting together to discuss the things that they believe in solely. <laughs> so, Yes. At any rate, so then John MacArthur goes on this, like another seven minute tirade, uh, talking about a bunch of stuff. And Lord, just keep me from being heated right now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, I'll just stop the recording if it gets to a point. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I guess so. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, you know, it's, it's good for TV, though. And it's good for everything <laughs> else in our culture. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he goes on his tirade. And in the middle of his tirade, he does pretty much everything you can do. He bashes the Me Too movement. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to basically say that there's no way that women are supposed to be preachers and speakers, although that carries zero, zero authority of scripture in our Bible. Um, and then on top of that, don't get me started on the fact that people aren't really paying attention to what he said about having Latino, African-American and women people helping to interpret um, the the original scriptures. Like he basically intimated that a black, a Latino person or, or, or a woman cannot understand or cannot read or cannot learn Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. Well, that makes sense. I mean, Jesus, as well as all the disciples were Caucasian and from Norway you're doing Sweden, too much right now. Right? I'm just, I mean, so it makes sense I know, to me. Yeah. See, you're bringing me back to earth. I appreciate it. You know? uh, but, you know, this, this, is, this is the thing that got me, though. It's just like, I am, I am one who really believes in unity and, and diversity. That's what you're supposed to believe in. That's what the Gospels represent. It's these four different stories that tell um, different vantage points about the same exact narrative. Of, mm-hmm. of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And none of them are wrong, even though some of them do conflict in certain areas. Uh, but, you know, you have to learn how to work through that, make it work. Um, and then, you know, just kind of figure out the rest. And that's really what life is supposed to be like. I don't think right. any any one church is going to be great for all people. Right. There has to be difference. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody thinks that a Baptist church is, is the way to go for them, so be it. But you can't sit up here and come out. And here's my, my biggest thing. 50 years in ministry. So you have all the carry, and this is what you want to say when you come out of your mouth. Yeah. Like all the wisdom you're supposed to have, bro, and this is what you want to say when you come out of your mouth. Right. This this is the thing that you think is going to not only feed your flock, but it's also going to add to it. You're going to get people coming through your doors because you're speaking in a bigoted way. Um, Yeah, I don't... (laughs) Okay, anyway, so I just... You know, I wanted to do my own little digging to see exactly what's happening. And first of all, kudos to Beth Moore, um, especially for what she like tweeted back when she finally had a response. And this is what she said. She said, I, I did not surrender to a calling of man when I was 18 years old. I surrendered to a calling of God. Mm. It never occurs to me for a second to not fulfill it. I will follow Jesus and Jesus alone all the way home. That was funny, but I let it go. Um, <laughs> and I will see his beautiful face and proclaim worthy is the lamb. Here's the beautiful thing yeah. about it. And I mean this with absolute respect. And she never really came for John. Like I really, my, my level of respect for her increased immensely and it was already pretty high. Uh, you don't have to let me serve you. That gets to be your choice. Whether or not I serve Jesus is not up to you. Whether I serve you certainly is. One way 
or the other, I esteem you as my sibling in Christ. So she <laughs> basically just tore him a new one in the nicest way ever. You know, the Bible says heap coals uh, with kindness. And and I, like I said, kudos to her, man. But yeah. She went super kind too, because she said sibling in Christ. Like I, if it was me, I probably would have written like weird uncle in Christ Chill or out. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always love hearing this stuff because it's so applicable to life. Whether you're a believer or not, when you're facing criticisms, when you're cra- facing adversities, just stay the course. Yeah. You know, surround yourself with people who will love and encourage you. And don't let don't let the noise derail the things that you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And that was one of the major reasons why I love the way that she approached it, because it was reminding me of um, Philippians 4. I mean, not 4. Everybody's always Philippians 4, because I can do all things. But Philippians 1, 14 through 18. Uh, which says the following, because I feel like this is her to a T, especially in this situation. It's Paul speaking, saying, and because of my imprisonment, because God knows that she's probably been imprisoned in this man's world doing this ministry for the gospel. Oh, for sure. God knows how long, you know sure. what I'm saying? But, you know, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And she has empowered many people to do that. Now, the rest of it is, is the part that got me. It's just like, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Mm. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. I love how it says, defend the good news. Those yes. others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. Now get this, this is my my favorite part. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make claims more painful to me, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. That's literally what she just did. Mm-hmm. Sit up here messing with this fool, man. And I was just like, thank you for being the example. Because we yeah. know in certain circumstances, yeah. that probably would not have been it. Somebody would have responded with another tirade, and then we would sure. have had God knows what kind of war on our hands. Sure. And, you know, for what it's worth, this is what I'm hoping will happen. You know, Beth, she does awesome things. And I've already seen there have been a lot of, of women that have come and, and, and taking a stance, you know what I'm saying? Yes. But what I'm really waiting for is is for some of the men, you know what I'm saying? Like I think uh, Lisa Bevere came out and then finally John Bevere came out and said mm-hmm. something. Uh, I'm My hope is that uh, we have a TD who's a spiritual father to a yeah. Cheryl Brady, you right, know, step right. up and say something, or a Tony Evans, a spiritual and legitimate father uh, to a Priscilla Shira. Yeah, get up and say something because somebody needs to say something to this dude. And I know I'm, you know, I I'm, I'm nobody in the grand scheme of things, and that's perfectly fine. But let it be heard. Yes, you know, what I'm saying addressing somebody like this, who, if I can be completely objective, even in my pissed offedness, um, is a part of an organization that, no doubt, in most ways, is still promoting the cause of Christ. But if we if we're really doing our homework here, yeah, same organization that still did not renounce slavery. Mm up until 1995 mm-hmm. and is part of the reason that the Baptist church itself split in 1823. You have that. Then you have the fact that they are a part of, from a global understanding or a global outset, they're a part of evangelical organizations. We talked about this a little bit last week, but we didn't talk about this part um, that compared to South America, compared to Asia, compared to Africa, where 
believers are growing in exponential amounts, adding to their number, thousands to almost millions in certain cases on a daily basis. Yeah. But in the United States, folks like them or the United Methodists, and I mean, I love all of these people, so don't get me wrong, uh, or other, you know, other sects of, of denominations in, in the United States of America are closing their doors. Yeah, and people are leaving. Yeah, because they're they're not adding to exactly. their churches. Yeah. The churches are aging. They they haven't progressed in a way to reach people. You know, when you study the Bible, when you go through what Paul did and who he wrote, he wrote to all different kinds of people throughout a different time periods of his life. Mm. And progress through how am I going to reach people in different ways? Not how am I going to separate and divide based on, you know, the way I in, might interpret scripture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's that, that's ultimately the one point that I was going to tie into this. When are you going to get past your theological mindset so much that you have to realize you still love somebody in spite of your differences? Right. And when are you going to get past it and realize, look how many lives this person has changed. Look how many people this person may have had people led to Jesus because of the things that they did in their life or the things they did in a conference yeah. or the things that they spoke about, you know, whether if it's 1% of your theology is women or men, like put that aside. If the, if yeah. the greater good for, for God's kingdom is being done. Exactly. And that, you know, the funny thing is that's the last thing here that let's invert, yeah. let's flip the script on the people that he's attacking. Cause Beth Moore yes. is killing the game right now. Yeah. And, and then back to that original conversation, yeah. what, two years ago, <laughs> it was, he, it was, I think a little longer than that because okay. the cool thing about this. So when he said the name, Stephen Furtick, yeah. Stephen Furtick has spoken at our church and that guy is incredible. Yeah. He's one of the, Pastors that you know, my wife and I listen to on a regular basis through his podcast. His church is growing exponentially, yeah. which has to have the blessing of God on it. So it's of not course. like it's just 100%. happening, yeah. right? And so when when MacArthur was given his name, Stephen Furtick, just like he was given Beth Moore, he said unqualified. unqualified. <clears throat> and so what did Furtick do? Could could Furtick have attacked and Furtick said, "Well, I'm not, you know, God qualified, I'm not you." Blah 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 blah. Nope, he decided to write a book yep. called. Unqualified, unqualified because he has dealt with feelings of inadequacy and feelings of being unqualified to do the things that God is not only calling him to do, but actually given him dominion over. Right. And so here is it's not only something where you might be able to call like if you call somebody who's fat and they're thin. Like it's really not going to bother them. Right. But if you call somebody unqualified and they've had feelings of being unqualified, that's a lot harder to deal with and get over. And instead he took it and wrote a book that's probably changed many, many lives yeah, and ran with it. And that's a cool story. And just like what, what Beth Moore is doing here, where she's taking it, taking the high road, she's going to turn it into something that's probably positive. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. So. And that's what I'm saying. So, but it just, I don't know. At the end of the day, that's, that's part of my frustration because again, this is the non-believer looking in and seeing the believer, the believer, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using quote, uh, quote marks, quote hands, whatever you want to call yeah. it, uh, sit up here and go against his brother like this or his sister in this yeah. case. And, you know, we didn't, I, I intentionally didn't get into the, the theological wraparound involving women being preachers and, and, and leaders in the church. You want to, you want to understand that you go study upon it yourself. And know that my stance is I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a woman is called to preach and teach um, and will most certainly preach and teach. Uh, but, you know, just to that extent, man, it's just like, why? 
what possesses him. And then ultimately, I feel like that's what it is. It goes back to the understanding that yeah. it's, it, I don't know if it's jealousy. I don't know if it's rivalry, but I do believe in a sense of maybe insecurity. And I am afraid that this man who wrote commentaries would have a conversation with her one day and she would theologically whoop his tail. He wouldn't yeah. know what to do. And that's probably why I said it. And I'm always worried about Christians with their quote unquote convictions, because a lot of times you have that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to go away. Oh, glory to God. Hey, man, here we go. Let's get a word from our sponsor, man. We'll be all right. On this segment of the show, we're actually going to talk about something that's a little really near and dear to me, uh, and I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but first, I wanted to give mad props uh, to another amazing woman, mm-hmm. uh, and actually her husband, and and, a, and I guess not a friend, but a co-worker of theirs, too, uh, Esther Dufflo. They Duflo. might be friends. I'm sure they are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. You've been doing this stuff as long as they have, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Esther Duflo, I think is how you say it. It's uh, French. Uh, her and her husband, Abhijit Banerjee, and then an individual by the name of Michael Kramer. Kramer, mm. one of those things. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, these three uh, work at MIT and have co-founded and co-directed something called the Abdul Latif Jamil uh, Poverty Action Lab. And so one of the big things that they want to do is uh, provide global poverty alleviation. Uh, so that's really, really dope. Um, and according to this, you know, they just seek to understand the economic lives of the poor and they aim to help design and evaluate social policies. And this is that's really, really chill. Uh, but all of their work, which is over two decades worth, um, has earned them this past week uh, the Nobel Economic Pe- Economic Peace Prize. Speak, boy. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I, I just thought that it was awesome that they were able to do that because I, I had the chance to read up on some of their stuff and how innovative they are. Uh, and mostly their work is in India and Africa. Uh, but the things that they've tried to do to resolve and, and uh, alleviate poverty or at least poverty situations among people, the amount of research that they do um, is, is actually kind of jaw-dropping. And I just thought it was dope. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, I really wanted to look at what they were doing, uh, because, you know, homelessness is, is, is a crazy thing. Uh, and it's, it's crazier to see the reasons why certain people end up homeless. Um, I, for one, is just a, a two second part of my testimony. I spent four months living out of my car, uh, way, way back in the day. Uh, and it just seemed like I had no place to go. Uh, but it was funny because for me, it was birth and pride. You know, you know, you, you self-made, you got to be a man, you got to do this, you got to do that. Uh, and so I manned myself right into my car for four months. <laughs> pride <laughs> goes before the back seat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle of the winter, no less. And so it was funny because, you know, all the stories I could tell, I jacked my car up. I just I had so many different run-ins with, with people and things. And even like the law, I was in the city of Norfolk when I did it. And anytime a cop saw me, like they knew who... They knew what my car was and they knew who was in it. Um, you know, it was just, there's there a lot of different things, but I know that I, I told myself, one, that I was never going to be in that position again. Uh, and and thank the Lord I haven't been. Uh, but number two, you know, it really, it stirred something in me. One of the biggest things about inspiration uh, in my world is that inspire to inspire means, uh, you know, you came from it. And so you want to make sure you can help people out of it. Um, and that's a a big aspect for me, you know, so seeing somebody out there who's homeless now, it automatically just speaks directly to my heart and I want to do something about it. You know, I can, I can give you names of of homeless folk around here and I'm just not a brag. Um, it's more so a call, a conviction in my life, 
uh, when I see somebody on the side of the road. I try my best to have something. Dang it, if I got a Pop-Tart, they can have it. If I got a piece of gum, they can have it. Um, but I try to at least keep a couple of dollars on me with my dollarless self um, <clears throat> because I know that they need it more than I do. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, and uh, don't be one of them people that sit up here telling me, you know, you never know somebody's trying to take advantage of it or something like that. If, I mean, if they are, Lord judge them in the end, but you don't know that. Yeah, you're coming from the right place. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. really matter if they are. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just that was the encouraging piece for me. Uh, but enough about me. This ain't about me. Let's celebrate. Them. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, do you got the research over there? Yeah, you said something about uh, when you started out talking about what they did is that they seek to understand and that jumped out to me because you just sharing that testimony, you already understand what it means to be homeless. And a lot of people who've never experienced that or experienced poverty quite in this way, we don't understand it. Right. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really want to seek to understand what it would be like to live in my car. Okay? I, I don't, like, don't want to seek that out. It's but, not nice, bro. It's not nice. But Imagine I will, being 6'6 inside of a Ford Escort station wagon, 1992. Oof. Yeah, that's tiny. It's fun times, yeah. That's tiny. It made me think about uh, my flight tomorrow in Southwest where I'm 6'2", and it's just going to be very uncomfortable. Bro, but that's all right. Exit seats, bro. Yeah, those get taken up by the elite who pay their $50 early booking fees and stuff like that. Once again, the rich people and capitalism wins, and that's know. why these poor people are homeless, <laughs> and you were living in an escort. All right. <laughs> Okay, so Chill out, man. I know you had your moment last segment, and now I get mine. Okay, um, I don't. But know no, you, you said seek to understand. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I remember hearing a story about a gentleman who was a—he's a multimillionaire—and he decided, for the purposes of uh, a book or something, just to experience it, he decided he was going to basically start out with nothing and go homeless, kind of out the gate, and figure out how long it would take him to make a certain number. I think it was 10,000 or 50,000, something like that. He mm -hmm. was trying to figure out what it would look like. And he kind of eventually gets there, but he had some circumstances that helped him along the way. But I do recall basically the first day him saying, life is very, very different when you're just trying to figure out where your next meal is going to come from. Yeah, yeah. Life is very different when you're figuring out where you might be able to take a shower or where you might be able to lay your head at night and feel safe. Jesus. Yeah. And that's just, just hearing that, you're like, wow. Like, I've never, the only thing I worry about my next meal is what I'm going to eat, not how I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing I think about is what time am I going to get to sleep, not when or where am I going to sleep? Like, you yeah. know, it's just, it's a totally different perspective. And so I think it's neat that people like this are going out in the world and figuring out how can we seek to understand the stuff that these people are going through and make a difference because. It's only people at the top that can make that difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I like what uh, one of the things that it touched up on talking about um, some of the, uh, I guess, accommodations they were attempting to make. Um, an example, what was it? The uh, And actually, you know, it's funny because this is actually going to segue into something else because it almost feels like it's, it's innovative. But at the same time, you know, things are really birthed out of compassion in, in some of the craziest places. Um, but I know we were talking about the... Uh, the project where they looked at how the demand for deworming pills. And I, mean, this, I think this was in India. This point Yeah, this is in India. Now, just again, seek to understand deworming pills right. for parasites. Like that's not something us in the States yeah, exactly. need to think that much about. Yeah, that's perspective too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. folks in the United States, we don't have to worry about having parasitic infections. Uh, but yeah, they were deworming pills for par parasitic infections. And 
and how in their cases, the the families, it was affected by the price. And I just, I'm imagining exactly how much they're not making in this instance. It said they found it three quarters of the parents gave uh, their children these pills when the medicine was free. And this is just interesting to note. Um, And then listen to the the chasm here Uh, compared to just 18% when the cost (laughs) was less than a U.S. dollar. Yeah which was still heavily subsidized. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that, that's that's amazing. And I almost want to say alarming, but at the same time, like I said, I've, I've been there. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't there. Good God. I like I, I almost want to call myself first world homeless because I didn't have to worry about it. I mean, there were times where I, I, I legitimately felt sick and I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if it was something that I, thankfully, I was in a situation where I at least still had a job. That might have just <clears> been the pride. You know what? It could have been. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, yeah, you laugh, but seriously, bro, it was just like pride when they say when they say pride coming before the fall. Like yeah. that is that that scripture itself uh, is is noted five times in the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's phrased differently, but five times you see pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. Pride comes before destruction, haughtiness before fall, or something to that extent. And dot on it, yeah. I I probably needed to look at it fifteen <laughs> times in order to. And if you're going it. through stress. <clears throat> That can have an effect on your body. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. That's man. not easy. Absolutely, man. A hundred percent. But yeah, you know, I just I I, I want to say again, kudos to them too, because this was really big and inspirational, and just love them exactly what they're doing, uh, their work. Uh, and the the one part that I wanted to to that I found that kind of segues into something uh, that's happening here in the United States. Uh, their research in India found a high level of absenteeism among teachers. So basically not the teachers themselves, but the students in their class. Uh, they found employing them on short-term contracts, uh, I was actually both, misspoke, correct that, uh, which would be extended if they had good results, led to significantly better test results for the students. Right. Imagine having consistent teachers in the classroom. Imagine, or let's flip it around, imagine your kids went to school and they didn't have a steady influence of a teacher. Yeah. Come That's on. That's crazy. Like, exactly. what kind of education are they going to get? Well, it's funny you say that. Because when we look at it, um, not exactly the same. But let's cross over for a second and look at what's happening in, in one area of America. Uh, let's talk about Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, in particular, they're having a teacher strike. You know, and I'm imagining what that's doing to their system. But at the same time, I'm bringing it up because of something very cool and very, quote unquote, innovative that they're doing in the process. So um, if you've been reading the news and you see in Chicago that the teachers are on strike and they're on strike for three reasons, you might know about two, but you may not know about the other one. Uh, number one, of course, in most cases, they're, they're striking for better pay. We already know that. Uh, they're also striking for smaller class sizes. <clears throat> and I mean, I think that's something that is usually pretty common as well. But uh, and, and in addition to that, they are also striking to highlight a number of homeless students and the struggles that they're having in their city. Listen to this. 17,000 students in the city of Chicago are homeless or deemed in a homeless situation. <laughs> That I mean, and when they say students, we're talking children. Yeah, children, yeah. absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Seventeen thousand homeless children. So let that sit. Yeah, in your system for two seconds. But as we're saying that, this is the cool thing that they have done, and right now they're they're battling with uh, you know city leaders. Uh, they have uh, in their labor contract, they have included a section. Uh, 
for adding affordable housing proposals. So not only are they trying to get their money, they're also trying to get these students an affordable place to live for them and their families. Mm -hmm. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, freaking dope when it comes down to it. Um, Because they believe that the issues intertwine uh, because it affects not just their ability to teach, but all the students' ability to learn. Uh, not it's because they can't focus on their work. You know what I'm saying? Like they're more concerned about their family. They actually interviewed a girl I was watching um, and the girl was, t- she was a previous uh, homeless student. She's not homeless anymore, but she was talking about, she couldn't think while she was in school. She couldn't concentrate because she didn't know if her family was safe. No. And on top of that, <laughs> she didn't know if her family was going to be staying under this underpass one right. night or if they were going to stay at this homeless shelter or whatever the case may be. Yeah, of course, if you're thinking about that, then there's no way you look, You uh, yeah, two plus two what? Like 100%, man. There's there's no way that you're thinking about that. There's yeah, let me read about Pip and his great expectations from Dickens while I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Yeah, I'm, that's important. Yeah, I must have been somewhere homeless because I don't think I remember <laughs> reading about that. But yeah, so it's amazing. And then on top of that, like the story continues to blend and bleed, heading, hitting back on, on the teacher side. That's one of the reasons why they wanted the better pay because it's not just about the teachers. It's also the people who help out. They were talking about the teacher's aides. Uh, for example, they said the average uh, salary for a teacher's aide in Chicago is like $13 an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they've done the study, the research and statistics show that in order to live in Cook County, which is Chicago for the most part, on average, you must make in between 17 to $20 an hour to either get a loft or a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of math before we jumped on here. If you make $13 an hour, even if you're working you know, full time, which teachers aides probably are not. Mm. They're probably also taking summers off because not that not by choice, but probably because they have to. Yeah. Uh, at the very best, after taxes and everything, they're getting maybe sixteen hundred dollars a month. Right. I mean, just imagine any urban area in America, right? Where, I mean, sixteen hundred dollars a month. That alone is is hard to get rent in a safe neighborhood yeah, for for that much money, and exactly. and now we're not even talking about anything else left over. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like you know, come on, you, you're living, but I, I hope you didn't want to eat. You yeah, know what I'm saying like, yeah, the major metropolis is. Just, I've, I've always I've been baffled. Yeah, at looking at the costs of apartments in like a New York City or Los Angeles or something like this. There's no way on guys giving a green. I'm trying to live in one of those situations. I don't mm-hmm. care if I am a millionaire. Mm-hmm. That's dumb as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. My personal opinion. I digress. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, you know, so, I mean, just, just something to think about, man, because to be perfectly honest with you, as 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 the body of Christ, if we're out here, and I love this because this isn't even a church. No. This is, this is a, a school no. system that came up with this. We talked about pride being mentioned in Proverbs a lot. I read all through Proverbs last year, and the one thing that stood out to me the most was how much it talks about taking care of the poor, right? taking care of the needy. Yeah. And this was coming from what the richest man of all time? Solomon. Solomon. Yeah. 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 And and basically consistently throughout how much responsibility we as, as Christians and just as, as human beings have to take care of people who are less fortunate than us. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Because we're definitely not looking at that. No, no. We're looking at, Nope. How we can yeah, tell women cut my taxes and to make my stocks go up. Go That's, home. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> moving on. Oh, I did want to note too. Uh, kudos. 
to this woman who received the Nobel Prize because she's only the second woman to ever receive it. And they've been giving these out for 50 years. Yeah. And she's the youngest. And she's the youngest ever. Not youngest woman, just youngest youngest ever. ever. Yeah. But so hopefully uh, more ladies will have an opportunity going forward. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. As long as John MacArthur's not giving out the awards. Bruh. Yeah. Yeah, we are definitely egalitarians <laughs> over here. Yes. Uh, and like I said, that's all we need to talk about. I don't want to get back into that. We'll, we'll be another five hours. I know. But that ends up being a, a good segue because I did want to say mm-hmm. for our closing topic here, not all things MacArthur are bad. <laughs> okay. Here because. We here we go. Because he opened up a college called the Master's College, uh, which is a, a very well-known um, Bible college. Uh, it was one mile from the church that I grew up uh, going to during youth group in high school. And on that uh, campus, they have a small church. And this church is apparently where Yeezy, <laughs> Kanye West, recently was radically saved. And so I'd been hearing a lot of rumblings about this for a while. And, you know, I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical even with a sane person. So I'm going to be even extra skeptical when we're talking about uh, a, a mad genius. And I do call him a genius because from a musical standpoint, he is a very gifted man, but he's also a little bit crazy. Um, yeah. But it appears that he is indeed radically saved from some of the things I've been hearing. Yeah. Um, basically the pastor of this, uh, you know, relatively, Small church, I guess you would say, 400 people. Mm -hmm. Um, Kanye showed up uh, consistent weeks, sat in the back, and by the third or fourth week, engaged this pastor and and basically said, you know, I'd like to talk to you more about this Jesus fellow. He started going to uh, weekly Bible studies with like 30 people. Could you imagine? You're like, you're at Bible study and Kanye walks in and you're just like, yeah, well, I guess I'm never going to miss Bible study again. All right. It started with 30 people. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. mysteriously. It's weird. The Bible 5, study was bigger weeks. than the church congregation. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, he, he went to the and, and asked questions, was very engaged. And then Kanye ended up moving up to Montana, I guess. Yeah, and, I still can't wrap my head around that. Well, I kind of think it, it's definitely one of those things where if he's looking at the, like, if you are radically saved, you begin to look at your world very differently. Yeah, you're right. And if he's crazy, then what he's surrounded by is a, a term that I don't really have because I think it's a little b- beyond crazy. Mm-hmm. And so if if he truly is washed in the blood, as it were, and looking at this world a little differently, he's probably going, I need to kind of get far away from this if I'm going to, as a young baby Christian, yeah, <laughs> figure this out. And what better place than becoming neighbors with Phil Jackson in Montana? So actually, I don't know if being Phil Jackson. Well, no, you, but if you're a neighbor in Montana, you never actually see anybody because you have like you five thousand acres yeah, and there's yeah. buffalo and whatnot. Fifty yeah. miles between yeah. houses. Okay, I got you. But what's what's fascinating to me, and apparently his new album is supposed to be very religious heavy, gospel heavy, glorifying to God. Uh, we'll see, um, because he certainly has <laughs> some uh, interesting lyrics and songs in the past that you could say otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but the, the neat thing to me is that if this is, if this is real and he's truly going to put kind of Christ first in his art, how much of an impact 
can that have for people in our society? It's very true. Yeah. I know, I'm thinking like, I mean, I don't, I've been thinking that for a minute because I'm trying my best not to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's hard not to be. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we? I mean, not, and, and some of them before were not the 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 best, and they didn't finish strong anyway. I, I think I remember. You know, I I came up in in the best hip hop era ever uh, in, in the '90s, and Amen. I just remember when Mr. Mace and Betha decided that you know he was turning his whole life around. And he gave it over to God, and then he became apparently one of the worst pastors ever. And about two seconds later, he turned around and he's rapping again. He already wasn't the best rapper. Sorry. It's true. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, just like, you know, constant examples that we see. uh, And that's always, I guess my biggest fear in it. Because the the Biebs is not a good example. uh, You know what? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I think Biebs is definitely in the process of, you know, what Catholics call sanctification. (laughs) We're probably called deliverance. Yeah. I'm not mad at Biebs. Because I don't. I don't want to attack Biebs. We all fall well, it's short. It's not even about that. But, you, know, you know. Just think about it this way, though. It's just like when you first became, and I don't even care if you're a radically saved Christian. You don't know it all. You don't have it all together, right? Um, and you're gonna have to figure some stuff out. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, I think your your best pastor mm-hmm. is still trying to figure it out in some way, shape, form, oh, or fashion. Sure, if sure. they say that they're not, get the freak away from them because something in them is deceived to yeah. have them think that they are the best thing since sliced bread. That's um, the most encouraging thing to me about this Kanye story. Cause as I dug into it, he committed to learning more and asking questions and spending the time every week, engaging with people, engaging with this pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that it, I guess at some point he had the pastor flying up uh, once a week uh, in the middle of the week, basically to just spend time with him and, and explain the gospel and it, kind of train him and let him understand like that's a different level than you know running up to the front of a church on a sunday or raising your hand or whatever and then never coming back yeah exactly you (laughs) You know know? and i mean that i I think that speaks uh, a lot to the i guess the quote-unquote hope i don't Mm -hmm. know if i mean you know i'm just gonna call it hope that i have for the situation um because unfortunately we have to face facts even with your most powerful uh your most influential uh, your most, you know, just the, the pastor that's doing it right now. Um, you're still not going to have, in some cases, it feels like 3% of the impact <laughs> yeah. that a Kanye West is going to have. Yeah. So if this man comes out of his mouth and he does it the right way yeah. and he's able to maintain relevance and he's not as, well, he's already crazy. We already know that. But if he's not as crazy in his approach to this, as he has been in, in other things, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That, yeah, I think that this could take some real root. Right. And it could have some real actual fruit and the and the fruit that produces believers out of it, because that's really what it's all about. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, when he came to earth, he had three different seasons. He had the, the season of obscurity. He had the season of uh, popularity. And then ultimately he had the season of rejection. And if, if you're a Christian, then you know that the season of rejection is still part of the season of popularity because what he did ensured that you can breathe the rest of your life. (laughs) Glory to God for that. Um, You know, but, you know, I feel like that's one of the things that this is going to constitute is just also walking out life like Jesus did. I want to see exactly what Kanye does in in the process. And, you know, it's hilarious because one of my favorite songs from him is Jesus Walks. Yeah, the song that Mm -hmm. talks about Jesus and has a cuss word in, in the very first verse. But you know what, that cuss word, that cuss word isn't degrading anybody. It's not derogatory in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And I'm one of those people that believes that if you get highly offended as a Christian because somebody said a cuss word and it's not 
intentionally trying to harm somebody, you, I have choice words for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it it takes not relevance, but it takes a realness. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people in this world, you know, there are certain things that certain Christians just got to come out of their shell on. Mm-hmm. If you're really trying to love people, if you're really trying to be the church, if you're really, yeah. you know, and, and that, that, that really is, is what we're, we're looking at when we, when we talk about Kanye. So, I mean, I know it's kind of rabbit trailing, but I, I have a real honest to goodness hope that him and all his craziness and all of his fashion and. Oh, could you imagine? Like beats, I could, I could be wearing Yeezys in church and feel totally justified for doing so. You know? Now that, that's a statement. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> I could be like, no, glory to God, these shoes I'm wearing. Not only are they comfortable, yeah. but they also exalt Jesus. You know, <laughs> I'm willing to agree with you on that statement. And you don't when, even really like them. Exa- well, you, know, you don't like the three well, not, not on my foot. I mean, they just look so well, What do you mean not? Where are you going to put shoes? I mean, no, I'm just saying like the, and, and, and my shoe size, them suckers look like water skis. Yeah. That's true. Now here's the thing. Uh, well, w- they look like wave runners. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, sorry, we're divulging yeah. the sneakerhead talk. Like, I mean, yeah. the sneakerheads all day. Shout out to the sneakerheads mm-hmm. listening right now. Uh, and and to that point, though, here's the real Christian thing. And maybe this is just me being yeah. selfish, but uh, when I see a pair of Yeezys costing seventy five dollars again, <laughs> maybe. Well, if you get them from I'll China, be, uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that both the secrets out in this piece. Oh man. Anyway, so yeah. yeah. But I'm excited about it because I I have this real heart for culture and pop culture and music and movies and TV. And there is such a void of a Christian influence. Mm-hmm. And if we're called to be, you know, in the world but not of it, that means we should be making a difference in the world. Right. And we should have a say in what is popular. We should have a say in what is cool, in what people are interested in. And I feel like instead, Christians are kind of closet uh, culture fans. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want to admit, well, you know, I I don't openly tell people I watch Game of Thrones because they might think that, you know, they might think different of me. Meanwhile, so many Christians that I know watch Game of Thrones. Like, I don't understand what the problem is of being willing to discuss popular culture and the church in in one vein. Because discussing that in the church nowadays is taboo. Mm -hmm. But why? Well, the reason why is because the culture has created it. Mm -hmm. And we are all a product of our environment. Mm -hmm. Even those who are most loose and like us who, I mean, I just really don't give a rip. I'm going to have that conversation because I said it before. If you can't talk about it in the church, what the heck are you going to talk about it? And the problem, and if you don't talk about it, then the church will never have an influence on the culture. Yeah. And those other entities and those other mediums or media are all going to grab a hold of it. And when they are the ones who are, are producing that which is really influential, do you think that people inside the church are really going to go with it? Do you think people outside the church are going to go with it? Mm-hmm. Yes, the answer for that for them is yes, right. which means when they look at that, they're going to see the irrelevance of the church. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, brother, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, Jesus might be cool, but I don't have time for y'all because it doesn't relate to me. Mm-hmm. And we are the most relative, not relative, relative thing that anybody could ever experience in their lives. The problem with it is our level of relevance is very, very low. 
our messaging is not so good either because when we do have two quote unquote titans of our uh, industry <laughs> fighting each other, uh, well um, you well, know, no, one's that, fighting. Well, no, one's fighting. Ones. Yes. But yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it just, it certainly is not a good look. <laughs> None of it's a good look, man. No. None of it. No. I don't know. But no. anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, here's the hoping that, that Kanye starts coming to my Bible study. That would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can ask him a couple of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like about analog and digital, you know, nothing about Jesus. Uh, I just want to know how he makes some of them really sweet, sweet songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we should Actually, be asking him. It's a God-given gift that he has. If I want to true. learn more about Jesus, I should talk to a pastor. Yeah. Other than that, I want to ask him why the heck he thought it was cool to charge $3,000 for a shirt with a bunch of holes in it. Hey, he but, did just give you know $10 million to that artist up in Arizona to recreate that weird art project that that guy's doing up there, which really looks neat. And if you look at the trailer for, what is it? Uh, Jesus, Jesus is King. King. If you look yeah. for the, at the trailer, it looks like it's like some illustration. It's actually footage from this art uh, installment that this guy has up outside of Flagstaff, Arizona in the Painted Desert. It looks pretty wild. So you should totally look that up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. We might have to talk about that as mm-hmm. I'm sure we will talk about Jesus is King uh, soon enough. But uh, folks, you know, I think we have uh, talked ourselves into a stupor. I think so. Yeah. And uh, bro here is getting ready to fly out to that west side. Yeah. Gonna, in fact, I'll be very close to where Kanye is installing this cool thing. And then I'm uh, driving to LA, gonna take in a Laker game. Yeah. I know. Don't yeah. be jealous. I, okay. I kind of am. But, know. you know, we'll, we'll see how what the Don't call MacArthur on me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, are we going back to shut up and dribble? Yeah, uh, we didn't have well, that conversation. I don't want to talk about. We that. had that last week. Oh Lord, I don't want to talk about black. Yeah, whatever. Okay, we're we're done here. Uh, again, <laughs> folks, thank y'all for listening to Eye to Eye. Please remember to like, subscribe, all that good stuff that you're about to hear again when I put and the closer on this. Yeah, yes. please share please. again. And we're gonna talk about algorithms soon enough too. Y'all will be really interested to know how ridiculous that nonsense is. But mm-hmm. until then, my name is Jordan again. My name is Devin. And we will let you soon. Take care of yourselves, man. Peace. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta at Eye to Eye Podcast. That's the letter I underscore the number two underscore the letter I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I do it like the, the nice white people with the good voices? No? I just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. <sighs> Thank you again, guys. See you next week. Banerjee, and then also Michael Creamer.
uh, individuals who are up at MIT. That's res- the widest name I've ever heard. Bro, it really is. Well, no, I don't know. <laughs> Michael Kramer? Not, no, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know. I'd say Braxton. What, Billy Half and Half? No, is that- Braxton. Oh, okay. Well, it just depends also, you know, Braxton. Culture. There was a black quarterback named Braxton on Ohio State. Yeah, I know, but that don't mean nothing. Braxton is still just a... You say Braxton, you don't think of a white person. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, you know, I was thinking it's also culture, like subculture and dialect. Like, you know, I'm, I ain't never met a black girl named Peggy Sue, for sure. Hmm. No, definitely not. Yeah, exactly. You know, or Norma Jean or any of them two names. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Eh, it's negotiable. <laughs> anyway, Esther and her husband, Abhijit, 